good morning. Thank you all for being here. The title of today's teaching is called Open House. And I want to give you a quick story before we get started. Um, Cindy and I, that's my wife, we've been down here. We moved down to Sebastian two years ago. We've been in our house for two years. And when we moved in, we had an open house. And we invited everyone from the church over to our house. Now, when you have an open house, there are a couple barriers to an open house. For one is the invitation. Who do you invite? Well, we invited everyone. And letting everybody know about that invitation, getting them there. And then there's other things that go along with that. But there was a question that came about. Someone asked me, they said, you're inviting everyone in the church to your house. Why would you do that? And why would I do that? Because everybody matters. If everybody, everybody matters or nobody matters. And to God, that's what it is. We all matter to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we would have eternal life. Each and every person in this room and on earth matters to God. And today as we celebrate Easter, we'll look at God's invitation to God's open house that he's given to us through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And we'll also see the barriers that came along with that. There were two barriers that came along. The veil and the stone were the two barriers that God has removed for us. But there's a last barrier, and that's the door. And that door is the door to our heart, whether or not we will open that door and receive God into our lives We're going to be in Mark 15, chapter 15, verse 33. I'll give you a chance to get your Bibles and get there. But in the Old Testament, we learned about the tabernacle and the temple. This is a place where God would come to meet with the high priest. And great steps were taken in this purity and cleansing before they could enter this holy of holies. In the Jewish temple, there was a barrier, and this barrier was the veil. It was very thick. It was about four inches thick. It was purple and blue, crimson yarn, and a fine linen. And this separated this outward holy place from the most holy of holy places. And once a year on that day of atonement, the high priest would bring a blood sacrifice into the holy of holies to atone for the sins of the people on the ark of the covenant. Now, this would only cover their sins. It would not remove them. And this veil separated this holy place where the priest would come in from the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God was and would be on the Ark of the Covenant. And this veil had separated. This veil or this curtain symbolized the barrier between a holy God and sinful man. And I believe sometimes we underestimate the holiness of God. And the goodness of God, how good he really is to each and every one of us. For what he's done on that cross with his son for each and every one of us. But when Jesus came, Jesus changed everything. The barriers were removed through Jesus Christ. On Good Friday, we looked at the crucifixion. And today we're going to look at it as well as it goes into the resurrection. So if you have your Bibles, you should be at Mark 15, 33. And we're going to look at what happened at the crucifixion. And this is so important for us to see this. And it says this. 
At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And Jesus, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. And the curtain of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this was the Son of God. Now, for three hours, there was complete darkness. When we look back into Exodus, what happened to the Passover lamb before it was killed? The entire land was covered with darkness for three days. This was symbolizing this darkness that would descend when the lamb of God would be slain. Man had no desire to see spiritually, so man had, was unable to see physically what was really taking place on the cross at Calvary that day. And Jesus' cry shows an intensity as he cried out. Jesus was with lepers. They had leprosy. Storms, they didn't frighten him. Nothing was frightening to Jesus. Armies didn't frighten Jesus. The only thing that frightened Jesus, he was terrified with one thing, and that was being out of fellowship and being separated from his father. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, God made him who had no sin be sin for us. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus became sin for each and every one of us so that we would not be separated from God for all of eternity. And Jesus tasted death for each and every one of us because God so loved all of us. And he knew that if we, a sinful man would be separated from God for eternity, and that's why Jesus came. And for us today, this separation from God for all of eternity should terrify us. It should terrify us. But the things that terrify us most of all are what? Our finances, our jobs. Maybe we didn't get that promotion. Or maybe it's an illness, something that's temporary. The things that are temporary terrify us. But what about eternal things? What about eternity? What about not having a relationship with God and that you will be separated from him for all eternity? Well, Jesus takes care of that for us. He takes care of that, those concerns for each and every one of us. Our greatest need is the need for forgiveness. You've heard it said, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven when we're forgiven, and Jesus gives us that forgiveness by faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Now, people were watching this crucifixion. They were saying, let's see if Elijah comes and takes him down. They were watching this whole thing. And for us today, people are watching us. They watch the way we live. 
They listen to the things that we say and how we act. Everybody is watching us because the way we live is our testimony of who we are in Christ. And when Jesus breathed his last breath, it says the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And this is significant. And Isaiah 59.2 declares that your iniquities, our sins, have separated us from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Since Jesus was without blemish, without sin, and kept the law perfectly for us, his death satisfied the wrath of God against humanity and all its sins. The significance of the veil being torn from the top to the bottom is very important. Because as you know, there was an earthquake that happened that day. And if the earthquake caused that veil to tear, it would have been from the bottom to the top. But it was from the top to the bottom, which signifies that only God could have done this. Only God could remove this separation and tear the veil. The fact that the veil was torn symbolizes that mankind's separation from God was taken away. The barrier from God had been removed by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for each and every one of us. And Jesus' sacrifice makes it possible for each and one, every one of us to come to our Heavenly Father. And once Jesus' sacrifice was given once and for all, everyone by faith and who believes in Jesus Christ has access to God. The veil was no longer there separating us from the presence of God. Our sins no longer separate us from him, our loving father. And today, for those who receive Jesus and put their trust in him, they will have access to our Lord. It's not about anything that we can do. It's not about our good works. It's not about religion or the positive attitude or the good things that we do because nothing we can do could ever save us. The only thing that can save us is Jesus Christ. And we have a full access pass. It's a heavenly pass that we all have to get into heaven. And God no longer deals with this temple. He deals with with the temple, and that's us. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are that temple. The Holy Spirit living in us. As God had removed this barrier of the veil. It's not about what we can do, but it's about what Jesus has already done for us. Jesus' death removed the barrier between sinful people and a holy God. And it gives us this invitation of forgiveness. For each and every one of us. In Colossians 2.13 it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. We were dead in our sins and through the cross, our sins were nailed to that cross. But the interesting thing about that is the nails didn't hold Jesus to the cross. His love for each and every one of us held him to that cross. He loved us that much. That's what held him to that cross. And for that, we get that invitation to forgiveness. And we have life, eternal life in Christ. 
And we have full confidence, and this is for everyone that we have this full confidence through our faith in the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews 10, 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus' sacrifice, his love and his blood makes it possible for us to come to God the Father. Our sins no longer separate us. And for those who put their trust in Jesus, we have full access because we're loved, we're forgiven, and that sin barrier has been removed for each and every one of us. We have hope. We have hope for the future. The justice of God was satisfied by Jesus being our substitute. God wants us to know that Jesus' blood is enough to cleanse us of all our sins. Now the second barrier, the stone. The stone, which is a barrier between life and death. In Mark 15, 44, it says this, Pilate was surprised to hear he had already died. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he had learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloths, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in the tomb cut out a rock, then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he had laid. And then in Mark 16:1, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. Amen? Amen? Our Lord has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. He has risen. Amen? This stone represents a barrier between life and death. And the angels didn't roll this stone away so Jesus could get out. That wasn't the purpose, but it was so others could get in. This barrier between life and death was removed so that we could all see that the tomb was empty. Jesus had defeated the grave. Death, where is your sting? Amen. And that is for us. Where is your sting, death? And Jesus had told the disciples that he would be raised from the dead, but they didn't grasp 
the meaning of the truth that he was telling them. He told them he would rise again on the third day. Even the women came early to the tomb. They didn't expect to see Jesus alive. But everyone needed to see for themselves that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead just as he said he would. And that's the truth in God's word. The truth in God's word. For God so loved the world, world, this stone, a barrier between life and death, had been removed. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the very Son of God. In Romans 1.4 it says, And through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, there is something worse than a physical death, and that's eternal death. The truth is that if we are only born once, we will die twice. We will die a physical death, and then we will die a spiritual death. And what is a spiritual death? A spiritual death is for eternity, and that means that we will be separated from God for all of eternity. And death is the great equalizer. It knocks at each and every one of our doors, whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're rich, or whether we're poor. The stats on it are one out of every one. You're going to die. In Romans 6.23, it says this, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And Romans 8.10 says, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. When we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, the gift of grace and forgiveness, by his love, we receive this invitation to heaven. In John eleven twenty five, 25, it says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus' resurrection removed this barrier from eternal death. As he moved that stone, our invitation to heaven has been given. Do you believe this? Will you receive God's love and the hope for a future and claim the promise of God right now that if you receive him into your life, you will have eternal life. You will not perish. This invitation to heaven is believing that Christ is who he said he was and receiving eternal life. Today, Jesus is asking each one of us that question. Do we believe that? Will you accept my invitation? Will you trust me? We don't have to fear death because Christ defeated its power over us. Do you trust Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Or do we just know who Jesus is? Do we just have a mental knowledge of who Jesus is so we have a desire that we don't go to hell? 
Receiving Jesus is believing he is who he says he is. And by believing who he says, he said you must be born again. And to be born twice means that we will only die once. We will die a spiritual death, but we will live eternally in heaven forever. In Hebrews 2.14 it says, Since the children have flesh and blood to share in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We don't have to fear death because Christ has defeated death. He's overcome the grave. What's the worst thing that can happen to us? Death or fear? Once we die, absent from the body as a believer is to be present with the Lord. Fear is trusting that Satan is in control of our lives in this world and he controls our future. Faith is trusting in God and that he has a future for us. There's hope in that future. And now the last barrier, the third barrier, which is the door to our heart. It's a barrier to a relationship with God. God has removed the veil so we can have a relationship with him. Jesus has died on the cross and resurrected so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. But now this last one, God forces no one to love him. He's given us all this great gift of free will and free choice. You can't force someone to love you. And God doesn't do that with us. He doesn't force us to love him. That was the purpose of the tree in the, in the middle of the garden, wasn't it? You have a choice. You can obey or you can disobey. But we all have a choice. It's what's going on in our minds, our hearts, and our souls, our emotions, our will, what we believe and what we do, how we feel and how we act. It's easy to memorize verses and recite lists and become proficient with facts without really getting to know God, isn't it? We can know all the Bible verses that we want, but do we know who God is? Substituting knowledge about God instead of knowing him for who he is, he's our Lord and our Savior, and having an intimate relationship with him. Life in its, at its fullest begins with a relationship with Jesus. That's when life is at its fullest. Jesus said, I have come to give you life into the fullest. And he meant right here and now and forever in eternity with him. There's a picture up on the screen. It's a drawing of Jesus. And he's knocking on the door. And if you'll notice on that door, there's no doorknob. There's no doorknob there. In Revelation 3.20, it says this. This is Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, Jesus in Revelation is talking to the church, and we are the church, each and every one of us. And Jesus' knock represents him speaking to each and every one of us. 
He's speaking to our hearts right now. He's knocking on that door. He won't force his way in. We have to open the door of our heart and let him in. We have to hear his voice. And his voice comes in several different ways. When we hear the word of God, the voice of God, it comes from circumstances. It comes from people talking into our lives. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And most of all, it comes from the word of God. When we read the word of God. My question to you is, are you listening? Are you listening to what God is talking to you right now? What the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now? You know, I have a quick story before I was saved. Years ago, when we first moved down here, we were building a fence, or I was building a fence. And actually, I'm building another fence right now in my yard. And what happened was my neighbor came over, and he asked if he could help me build this fence. And I said, yeah, I'd love that. So we started building this fence, and we were talking. And I asked him if there was anything I could do for him. And he said, no, everything's good. The one thing he did do, though, he shared the gospel with me. He shared the gospel with me and showed me the love of Christ when I wasn't saved. I don't know if you've heard this, but good fences make good neighbors. They do. And this fence gave me a good neighbor. And this good neighbor shared with me the love of Christ and invited us to his church. We went to his church. We were saved. We heard the Holy Spirit speaking to us through this man, this neighbor of ours, as he invited us, as he was knocking on the door of our hearts. Cindy and I were saved. We were baptized. And we've never looked back. We've never looked back. And we had an open house, an open door for our Lord. And I want to ask you, is there an open house, an open heart for Jesus in your heart today? He won't let himself in. He won't force himself in. But we must open the door to our life to Jesus. This invitation to a relationship with him, opening the door of our heart, inviting him and accepting this invitation and sharing a meal, having a relationship with Jesus and trusting him, giving him control of our life. Jesus has given each and every one of us this invitation to have a relationship with him. Our responsibility, our role is to open that door. Open that door. Why would you do that? Why would Jesus do what he's doing? And why would we open that door to our heart to receive Jesus into our lives? To have eternal life with him, not to be separated from God for all of eternity. As a follower of Christ, we don't have to fear death. And that is the truth. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it says this. But in fact, Christ has been risen from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Jesus' resurrection guarantees all believers that we will be resurrected as well, each and every one of us. We need to receive him and receive the hope of eternal life. In John 1.10, it says this, He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. 
the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. All those who opened the door of their heart to receive Jesus, he gave them the right to be called children of God. And anyone and everyone can receive Jesus. Some receive Jesus and some reject Jesus. But please, I want to make this one thing clear. By not accepting Jesus, we're rejecting him. It's a closed door to our heart and our life, not wanting to have a relationship with him. And there are reasons that we would have this, a hard heart. Rejecting his voice could be because of pride, because we want to be in control of things, or just a refusal to believe. We don't want to believe. It just doesn't make sense. Or what about unrepentant sin? Or what about bitterness from a hurt from someone? We've all probably been hurt by somebody, haven't we? And sometimes that unforgiveness can keep us from that. But God, I like that saying, but God. Because God won't leave us alone like that. He's knocking at that door of our heart. In Ephesians 2.8, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I want to ask you today, will you receive this gift that God is giving you? Will you receive the hope of a future in heaven and receive eternal life? Open the door of your heart. We cannot save ourselves. Nothing we can do can save us. There's only one way to be saved, and that's to believe in Jesus Christ and receive him into your life. Receive God's love. Open the door of your heart and receive him. In Hebrews, it says this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I want to ask you, do you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Do you hear his invitation? What is God speaking to you today? He's giving you an invitation. An invitation because today is the day of salvation. Will you accept his invitation? Accepting his invitation for a relationship, inviting Jesus into your life. John 14, 19 says this. Jesus said, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Amen? Since I live, you will also live. Because Jesus rose from the grave we will too rise. We will see him again if we believe in him in heaven. Do you have the hope of life beyond the grave? Will you accept Jesus' invitation for a relationship? And will you invite Jesus into your heart today? Christ asks us and calls us to make a public commitment. In Matthew 10, 32, it says this, 
whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. And Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, opening the door to your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and that you are saved. I want to ask you, is, is God speaking to you today? Do you hear that knock on your heart? Thank you.